You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge podcast. I'm your host, David Hall. iRacers Lounge is the podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are some of the not-so-usual characters, Chris Scales. What up? Brian McCubbin. I'm back. Gregory Hectus. I'm full-time producer today. And Tony Gross. What's up, fellas? All right. Uh, this week, we are going to be talking coat series. After a four-week hiatus, we're back at the Tricky Triangle at Pocono. Um, we'll also be discussing the new eNASCAR Internet Series and all your other iRacing topics. And remember, you can follow along with us on your mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. Hope to see you there. It's super extra real time today because I had Brian had to publish a show notes because I haven't done this for a while and I made him break things just so I could do this. Thank you, Brian. Or Chris was just too lazy to log in, so we... Punched lazy, I like, don't have it. I don't have phone, <laughs> dude. Well, before we jump into the Coke series, Brian, why don't you tell us about GridFinder? Yes, GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. So finding a league to fit your schedule has never been easier. Just visit GridFinder, www.grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own. GridFinder, the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder.com Pocono Coke Series. First thing we have on the script, we have Ray Ophala putting out a radioactive uh, for the 51 team. Did anybody get a chance to listen to this? It was only about two minutes long, but I was uh, I didn't get a chance to watch it all the way through. Hey, yeah, everybody. I not have time to watch that. Maybe maybe our special guest, Mike Ellis, had watched that. <laughs> you know, I was here but I wanted to hear you guys get through the intro without me. And uh, you guys did a great job, by the way. Awesome. So the Podfather is back. <laughs> I am. Thank you. I'm just getting the script open. Uh, I love it when a plan comes together. So where are we at, guys? Well, we just started talking about a radioactive 51, the, the 51 radioactive from Ray. Did you get a chance oh. to watch it? Oh, yeah. It's it's more about listening to it. Uh it's a classic NASCAR radioactive, if you've heard it on Fox, but uh, focused in on Ray and his win after a long drought um, to kind of get his uh, playoff championships alive. I, I loved it, and I love any kind of radioactive. And we had seen Kligerman do this, and I had begged for some other teams to do it. And sure enough, uh, Ray jumped on board with his win. And Ray, keep keep it up. Go for it again. 
We'll, talk, we'll get a little bit more into that uh, later about his playoff chances. Uh, we also had an update come out just before the race. Uh, Kligerman Sport eSport driver Isaac Gann is currently dealing with a medical issue and is having to drop out of the uh, race. And so they had to bring in a substitute for him. And that was... Aaron Burroughs, or I'm, I only have hey, okay. a, Anthony Burroughs. Uh, he's at Burroughs62 on uh, on Twitter. He filled in for him this weekend. Yeah, and, and so we don't know exactly what's wrong with Isaac. They've just said medical condition, and uh, that's tough. I mean, he's a, he was a force to be reckoned with here in his you know, going in through 2021. And he's had several really good runs where he was in contention, if you recall. And so one more note on that, I was thinking, how? what are him, his implications? Like if he wants to run next year, he really can't because he's not in the current road to pro. Is that right? Maybe it's so. uh, yeah. NASCAR exemption time. I mean, they could come up with an exemption or it just add an extra slot to the pro series. Kind of like, I uh, remember the year Kyle got hurt because of he hit the one spot. There wasn't a safer barrier at Pocono and came back and won the championship, right? Because they went ahead and made the ex- exception for him. Now, they affectionately call him Walter. I don't really know the story behind that. We'll have to have him on the show and find out. But uh, Walter or Anthony Burroughs, he was actually the la- the one guy that was right below the cut line to make it to the Coke series. Um, he was the, the first guy that didn't make it. So he was basically, has, has always been this year, the reserve driver. And so when this situation comes up, that's who iRacing turns to uh, per their rules and stuff. So um, it's, it's good to see Anthony get a chance. And he actually had a, a pretty nice run going. Um, even though the circumstances of getting the chance are unfortunate. This is a second year that somebody's had to drop out of the series. Didn't someone go out with a bad back last year um, and dropped out halfway through the season? I can't yep. remember the, who it was, but this is two, two years in a row now. Well, we started uh, most of the early portion of the race. We had some green flag runs. We had drivers divide into a two-stop plan and a three-stop plan. They kind of worked their way through the middle of the race. Then we had the first caution came out as it was it on uh, it was with 18 to go, right? With 19 to go. It was somewhere right there. I mean, it was green up into that point and it was all a one, two or three stop strategy race. And and it was interesting. It was kind of playing out where I was paying attention to who was on what strategy. Uh, we had one guy, Matt Busa, who was dead last for the longest time. Uh, actually try to make it on one stop and he would came up like one or even two laps short i think uh on that stop but he was trying uh a lot of them were on two but some were on three and that was kind of interesting how it was going to play out but sure enough there was a caution yeah that track is almost makeable with that with that race length at 80 it's 80 laps and you can almost make it 40 laps if you're slower so i can do it because i'm not as fast as them so i i was gonna make it on one stop each time we ran um but they they're probably just putting out more pace and it, and if he'd slowed down enough to, to make it 40 laps he probably would have given up too much time now let's talk a little bit david here about what happened with evan and the the broadcast Early in the broadcast, uh, Evan disappeared. Uh, he was gone. Um, and all of a sudden, we heard James Pike filling in um, with the others. 
and and so first of all pike is a professional and, and, and kudos to having a backup plan uh and uh and what a good one at, at that so um he filled the shoes very well uh, evan apparently was having you know internet issues or iRacing was having internet issues um that's to be determined i guess but uh yeah, so that was happening, and, and we were hearing it, David. You said it was almost unbearable to hear with the dropouts in the audio. Yeah, but the the issues I was hearing was happening through the whole pod, through the whole broadcast, not just Evan Sound. What it was doing is the the audio was skipping. It would it would it was almost like it was running a little bit slower, and then it would skip two or three words that they said, and it was happening to both Evan and and his uh, teammates. So it was skipping, but it would, to the casual viewer, it sounded like a dropout. If you're not paying attention, right? No, it would. You would literally hear it be in the middle of one word, and then they'd jump into the next word. Oh, I see. He'd be like, "Hi, we're going to the it was just it was. Yeah, it was jar- it was pretty jarring, but it wasn't. I don't know if it was because of Evan's internet issues that was causing the whole server to lag out. Or speaking of Evan, he was supposed to be here today, but obviously his internet's completely down now. So uh, we heard from him just a little bit before the show that he they live on the edge of town, and the whole town was down on internet today. So we're happy to go over the race, but really up to, up into that point. Um, to, with a 20 to go, it was uh, it was shaping up to be a barn burner of who was going to play the right strategy. And so King Cook actually put after the race a recap, and, and I'm going to read it because it really does capture the essence of what happens next. He says, I need to start using the best strategy, short pit and then cause a caution, then send it on multiple restarts. So that's exactly what happened. And who was it? It was Ashton Crowder. Uh, he had better tires than uh, some others because he was on different strategy. Um, and he basically drove over Keegan Leahy in turn two. Um, Keegan went in there like he always does and at the normal speed. He was on older tires, though. And uh, Ashton came in right behind him and just kind of, you know, ran over him. And uh, anyway, that started the whole thing of cautions breed cautions and uh and i'm not kidding it was literally one after another yeah all to the point that we finally ended up with the second overtime restart right with bobby Zelinski and mitchell DeJong, or is it DeJong or de young well i've i think it's DeJong. uh well it, we didn't even get that far there were several cautions before the the green white checkers um yeah, I, I I was uh, compressing a little bit on us moving on. Oh yeah, script. absolutely. That so it was restart after restart after restart, but the last one, the the final restart was Bobby Zelinsky, Mitchell DeJong leading to turn one. DeJong tried to stay even for a second, and then a fellow was there. There's a crash in the in the back, and that, actually that was a. I'm sorry, that's re, that's the restart one. They lead again for restart two, right? And there's more trouble. We got Ryan Deshay and T-Dog Hurst. They get into a crash before the field even gets to turn one. We have another caution? It's crazy. They they were t- crashing before they even get to turn one. Um, but it was sin time, you know, once the, the caution started going and everyone was just trying to get everything they could. They could and... If they did make it through turn one and down the back, it was fascinating to watch because they were three and four wide and doing crazy stuff. And um, 
you know, it's typical NASCAR. It's really good on the restarts, you know? Yeah, and you can do that a lot easier if everybody has a spotter. Um, MRN's broadcast this weekend down in Nashville went out during the truck race. So I switched over and listened to, to Haley Deegan's channel quite a bit. Uh, and TJ was really teaching her the whole time. It was really neat. But she was racing in a lot of three-wide situations. And you could hear him specifically saying how much room that she had to the wall or to the apron and, and, and telling her not not you know three wide in the middle given so much more information on exactly which part of the track to put the car on um and you can do that i'm sure all the pros in the coke series had that going on too whereas most of the time when we're doing something like nis you're looking at uh driving you just hear inside or outside and you don't know if that outside guy is on the wall or is squeezing you down yeah the final caution uh bobby was leading uh ray was about to take it though Alfala and uh, trying to get his second win in a row, but he, he came up second to Bobby. And Bobby Zelensky wins. Uh, now, we expected him to win, but I don't know if we expected him to win at Pocono. I think we were looking at Road America, which is next week, right? But, uh, but he gets it done on the Oval, so that means he'll probably double up. That kind of sends a message, too, doesn't it? That he's not just a road ringer? Well, he's won Ovals before, and he's proved his point, but... Uh, I mean, he stayed. He started up front, and he stayed up front the, pretty much the whole race. He had the right strategy, um, and Bobby got it done, and, and uh, well done to him. And so this makes for an interesting point situation. Right now we have nine winners, ten make the playoffs. There, But Ray Ophala is actually the tenth winner, but he's 24 points behind 20th. So as of now, Stephen Wilson is still sitting in the single points in position with Michael Guest hanging in right behind him, three points out. Yeah, and Graham Boland, Casey Kerwin, Corey Vincent, right within striking range below Michael Guest. Uh, and so Ray Alfala has really got to, you know, drive up through those guys. And so that, I mean, he is. He's got a first and a second in the last couple of races. So the challenge is with, with that, not just the 24 points, but the fact that there's four other drivers in front of him is that all of them have to have that many bad weeks as well, even if he gets on fire. And I want to give a shout out. Um, we got detailed notes of the race. And of course, when evidence here, we'd like to go a little more detailed, but couldn't make it this week. Uh, but I do want to give a shout out to Seth Eggert, Justin Melillo, Jacob Seelman, and even Evan Pasoko for contributing to our show notes via Twitter. And uh, what I do is I'm watching the race. I'm looking at Twitter. Uh, some of these guys are giving play-by-play, -play, and we're using that for our show notes. And uh, we do appreciate those guys. Thank you. So eNASCAR was not done. Uh, the following day, uh, we have something else to talk about. NASCAR announced the introduction of the all-new eNASCAR International Series that was uh, placing a spotlight on the stars of its three international racing divisions across Europe, Mexico, and Canada. The new series is entitled the eNASCAR International iRacing Series. It consists of three races at historical facilities, which are Brand Hatch, Coda, and Daytona. And the field contains an even mix of drivers from the three, from the Will and Euro Series, NASCAR Peak Mexico Series, and NASCAR's Pinty Series. And it had select drivers also from the 2021 Drive for Diversity class. I didn't watch the entire race, but I picked on in on it until I got involved in one of my own races. 
And it was pretty interesting because they were driving the Xfinity cars around Brands Hatch, which is not something you usually see. And also some of these drivers who are probably more used to something like a sports car and they were driving that big, heavy stock car and you could see them having trouble with it. Yeah, there were some out there that like totally miss a corner or something. It's kind of unexpected, but uh, I saw just a, a tidbits of it. But but outside of a mid race pit stop, nobody had anything for the NASCAR Wheelin Euro Series driver Simon Paletti in Wednesday's night race from Brand Hatch. Uh, he qualified three tenths of a second ahead of Paul. Joe Frew, his closest competition, and went on to lead all but three laps on the Indy circuit to score his, the inaugural race win. So congratulations. I did uh, see an article on Forbes.com covering this series as well. So it is getting some uh, international press. Uh, something that I noticed as I was watching it, the Pinty series or maybe the Mexico series, the numbers are placed differently. Uh, uh, you could see some of the paint jobs. It was just it was a completely different standard, and they were they were kind of more above the left wheel and quite a bit smaller, and it didn't look too bad. Okay, next up, Road to Pro. So uh, Chris Overland he tweeted out um, the unofficial uh, the unofficial top seventy transfers that are going to be moving on to the Pro Qualifying Series. So. Um, Actually, uh, he was one of them. Chris uh, finished uh, 33rd in the uh, in the series. Uh, top fi- top qualifier was Brandon McCass- McKissick, and uh, and uh, number 71, who was a hard luck, is Aaron Rodgers, who missed it by one point. That's a, that's a tough break there, man. So uh, yeah, so uh, looks like the top 70 is set for the next round, and we'll move on. Now, um, one other note I'm going to mention is Anthony Burroughs. He's uh, 27th on this roster, and he's into the second round. Um, now he is a Coke driver already, but my understanding is he still has he's still going to run the the Road to Pro to qualify in for next year. So he still has to qualify in, just like um, everyone else. So if he doesn't finish in the top 20 in the Coke series, then he's got to run through this series. So it's kind of... Well, he's not going to make top 20. I think that's a given, right? Exactly. So that means he has to do it via the road to pro. So um, he is qualified for the snake splits, and he's got to finish uh, you know, the, the top 20 of that. And so he's still got to perform, but uh, he had a great first race, so I expect him to do well. So uh, a couple other notables, uh, former drivers from the Coke Series, Colin Keister, he's in there. Uh, Brandon Cattell, he's going to be moving on as well. Yeah. You know, and the ones that didn't make it, did you take a look at those? Um, Yeah. uh, David Shieldhouse uh, just missed it by 12 points. Uh, um, And was that Ryan Lowe? 80 points out. He missed it too. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, I think that's tonight, right? Yeah, I think it is. Tony, I'm going to steal the next cop topic key t- from you because I was there. <laughs> uh, JR Motorsports Sports unveiled its iRacing sponsored number eight Chevy Camaro that Josh Berry drove last weekend at the uh, NASCAR race. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, he was running up through, through the field. T- pretty, It was pretty neat. I also saw a SimCraft uh, car there as well. I don't remember who was driving that one, but iRacing was running in the Xfinity race. It was really cool. I love that paint. I wonder who came up with it. 
but it's got a slant look to it. Um, the red, white, blue colors of iRacing. Um, got a Dale Earnhardt slanted eight. Um, it kind of reminds me of Earnhardt. Uh, of course, you know, coming out of junior motorsports, that's no uh, mystery why that looks like that. It's a beauty. And then, uh, Chris, they also went to Milwaukee. Did they go there or, or are they going there this weekend? Anyway, I probably read it wrong. They've probably already been there. But uh, Ty Majeski took the uh, iRacer, or my, I'm sorry, I. Racing colors to Milwaukee to race, uh, I think some modifies or something. It's kind of a it's late model, yeah, late model, which uh, is cool. And I'm sure I'll be seeing him at a short track near me, which will be awesome because I've always rooted for this dude and seems like a great guy, but <clears throat> his NASCAR showing has not been spectacular lately. <laughs> Actually, he, what's that? Go ahead. He was he was the one who was running the SimCraft truck or car if it, now that i remember i think it was a truck i've been with the cut boys he's kind of got a few shots now and they weren't all you know blame on a route. so fast on. car yeah I, well, I, some of the stuff wasn't on his car <laughs> well let, okay so chris he did go on to win milwaukee on june 20th uh right after competing at nashville um so again that that particular car with i racing on the hood I, I I can't even count how many wins this year. That's got to be a dozen now. Well, and that's what I was just about to say too. He just add, does nothing but whip their asses in this thing, and pretty much anything he drives on the the short track. That's why I was kind of expecting a better showing. I said even like in the you know kind of the crappy cars, some of it hasn't the stuff that's been happening on the track hasn't been car related. Somebody needs to get him up there. Yeah, he needs a real a good shot. And the bad thing is, he's going right now. He's going up against some. You know, he's going up against the Larsons and the Bells, and it's it's a rough rough time well, to be trying to get into the sport. It's always a transition when you jump from dominating late models to coming up into the national series, and and suddenly you're racing around for twenty eighth and not able to just just muscle around everybody. Well. Uh, Jordan and Hamlin, they, they need they need to take a quick look at this guy. They need to change, make a change. That'd be a good fit. And it is going to Milwaukee. It was me that read the tents wrong. Saturday, uh, there's a 100% Cup Series full distance league that follows the Cup schedule. It's called the 100% Cup Series. would like to invite you to put your racecraft and setup knowledge to the test over the course of a full 36 race season. They are a competitive group of NASCAR enthusiasts who are looking to add sim racers that are searching for that 100% distance oval racing that's hard to find. Full NASCAR distance is the next level to the NIS with long races and a consistent core of competitors. Race sessions take place Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Now, Saturday is kind of an off week, traditionally, or off day, so maybe this works. I'd like to know if they um, have the NASCAR uh, 100% rule. You have to the 100% effort rule, you mean? Mm-hmm. Actually, you can't police that. Also, it, um, maybe if they have uh, bathroom breaks scheduled in there, right? Actual st- stage rate where Ray just pulls in and gets up and goes. It's too much racing for me. I, I am not a fan of the 100% races when we do have them. 
usually. <laughs> so I can't imagine doing it every week. Holy cow. Two hours is a good length for, for an online race. It is. Right? Agreed. Um, when it get getting longer for special events, yeah, maybe like uh, when, when we came up to the Coke 600, uh, I drink water list just like nonstop, right? Uh, and I specifically made sure that I waited, went about three or four hours before the race, not drinking. And I've, I, I felt like dehydrated because like my body's like, hey, where's the where's the water? Because I'm, I'm taking a gulp every hour. I mean, it's good that we have long distance races because it makes them special. Like the Daytona 500, you know, what makes winning the Daytona 500 special? Well, one of the reasons is it's one of the long races. Well, we can move from long races to long tracks um, and talk with Josh Rogers or not really talk, but listen to him talk about setting up your car. Overtake has posted a setup tutorial video that has the, the two-time PESC champion, Josh Rogers, and he gives you some tips and tricks on getting faster. Josh will show you how to handle the Nordschleife uh, using his championship winning car, the Porsche 911 GT3 Cup, as his example. And he doesn't mince meat here. I mean, he tells you exactly what he's doing and what he's thinking you know, the big thing I was hearing was do your bra braking and then turn. Don't brake while turning. You know, that was the big thing I, I got out of it. That is pretty standard road course. Uh, but you only get so much grip on the tire, right? So if you, uh, if you use too much of it for turning and braking, you lose grip. Uh, so you, you slam on the brakes and you, you get almost your, if you ever look at the telemetry, it should be a kind of a wedge shape for those of you watching, you spike it up really hard and then you trail off. The more you turn the wheel, the less you can turn, the less you can press the brake or you'll spin out. Isn't, isn't this kind of like, uh, asking Pavarotti if you can sing like him, you know, teach me to sing like you, you know, it's, right. it's not, it's, there's a little, a lot of talent that's involved. It's, it's not just uh, him explaining things. I mean, it's good to see what he does and uh, I'm sure you can learn a lot from it, but you're not going to be uh, bumping, bumping, uh, uh, bumping cars with uh, Josh Rogers anytime soon. Probably he's, he's just the best there is. Yeah. And the talent means that he's the most consistent and the the least mistakes and, and times the throttle and times the brake perfectly and puts the wheel exactly where it needs to be with the uttermost consistency. But some of the concepts that he does use there, I mean, they're real life concepts. You, you can go to a real road racing school and they're going to tell you those same things. Uh, but, yeah, there's talent and, and the amount of practice he puts into it as well. It's a good opportunity to see his setup, um, what wheel he's using, uh, triples, and of course the the bright purple uh, carpet, which uh, is just fascinating to me that they race in a purple room. But um, it's so cool. You could almost say you'd flip out for it. Yeah, you might not have a chance to race with Josh Rogers, but I bet you'd have a good chance at bumping into Alejandro Fernandez if you hop in a rally car race but uh he he has this uh or i guess i racing posted this on their instagram um, page of him racing it looks like a lana rally cross track in the beetle and i haven't raced on this track but he kind of slides wide in a corner 
and clips this weird blue curb that's protecting a sign and he does a perfect 360 degree front flip lands on an access road and gets back on the track without losing a spot <laughs> it is, it's pretty awesome to watch definitely check out the the feed uh he, i'm sure he lost a spot from the slowdown that he got from the penalty but yeah he it was awesome that was the thing didn't lose a spot either i mean yeah. he just kept on going i was expecting a spectacular crash and it was an amazing trick instead and I bet you he could go back and try to do it on purpose and never be able to do it. Yeah, no way. I'm sure he did. How do you set up an A car, Brian? Well, um, you would have figured out iRacing staff member Matt Holden. He posted a mini guide in the forums to give drivers some setup tips for the upcoming season with the main topics. Uh, number one, don't reinvent the wheel. So these are just uh, – just, he expands on all of these uh, main topics in this thread and uh, to help you set up your car better. So don't reinvent the wheel. Uh, number two, get the height set first. Number three, rear spring split is your friend. Number three, a three, a uh, spring split and right rear coil bind. Number four, this is one of Dave's favorite ballast number five ignore the wear temperatures are where it's at number six don't ignore the shocks number seven keep adjustments simple capital simple all caps so um yeah those are some uh some of the uh the main topics that he goes through in the setup tips so if you guys are out there trying to learn how to you know, make uh, make adjustments and set up your car for open races. Uh, you might want to check this uh, link out in the forums from Matt Holden. Yeah, when I was really trying to learn to adjust the sets last year, uh, I could never get the heights right. So <laughs> everything, I, every time I touched a set, I would if I really really made a change other than ballast and right rear spring, uh, I would destroy it. Well, that was the key, is get the heights right first and then do the other stuff. And that was one of the keys of this article. But this is absolute gold if you want to learn setups. I mean, this is this is like uh, the, the launching point of gold if you want to learn anything about what we just, that list Brian just stated. Because behind every topic uh, title that Brian stated is a an entire uh, d- description of what to do and how to do it and why and um i read through this like maybe even twice but my brain has a hard time absorbing this stuff i mean i've never been able to really get it but if you're capable of uh, absorbing it uh, this is a, a great article and we do have a link in our show notes so apparently cup car has a strange off throttle kind of like a, like a engine braking James Vining is asking the community in the forums, anyone else has noticed the the sound, the off-throttle sound? He says, uh, go hit throttle quickly to, you know, roughly 7K, let off, and notice how long it takes to drop back to idle. Um, apparently, it is a thing. I've, I've not noticed it. Uh, but staff member Matt Holden said that it's something that they will look at. Boy, to pick up something like this, James really knows his engines by sound. Yeah, and um, it'll be interesting to see what becomes of this. I don't know if I've noticed, is Pocono any different, like getting into two with how much brake we're using or anything like that? Because if there's engine braking going on, you'd be using a lot less brake. You don't really get engine braking 
real engine braking in there uh, unless you downshift. Right. True. But I think that's what he's saying is like if I'm at the end of turn, I'm going into turn one at Pocono and I'm, I'm full on the throttle and I let off, the engine RPM's not going down as far as quickly as it used to. That's what he's saying. So we've seen a lot of new road courses come in lately, and we've also we also did just add Nashville, right, as a as a U.S. oval. But um, and there was a discussion with iRacing on the iRacing Drivers World Facebook page, and there's a discussion asking uh, if they should start pushing for ovals from the Peak NASCAR Mexico Series. They look the same as some of the other tracks, but from from top down but if you watch some of the video you can tell that they definitely behave differently i would say as long as they're not a mile and a half because we do need more short tracks now if you go to the link there's a pictures of, of some other tracks and the one that intrigues me is the autodromo miguel e abed and uh, it looks like a a really long martinsville like it's got the paper it definitely looks like a paper clip but it's got a, in a like a longer paper clip with longer straightaways. I mean, that one looks fascinating. It's also egg shaped, uh, so it has a little bit of a Gateway Darlington feel as well. Yeah, looks fun and and what a neat. Uh, you know, I never really thought about. You know, oh yeah, we got ovals in other countries too. Uh, you know, we need to consider those too. All right, forum updates. Um, we have a light theme has arrived and uh, there's light and dark themes and they're now available based on your operating system preferences. So I've been on, so the new forms came out and they're black or dark. And then one day I turned on the computer and the forms were white and I hadn't even changed the setting. And I'm like digging through the settings looking for, I want to go back to dark. And I'm like, I couldn't find it. And I even did a search and somebody said that, you can do both and so i had to look a little closer and it's based on your windows settings so you go into windows 10 and you search for light or dark theme and you switch it to which one you want and the forum will follow whatever that color is so that's there's been some other changes that they've uh, fixed on the new forums but uh, that was a some people didn't like the dark mode they were absolutely against it or had vision issues that made it very difficult so it was good that you can at least get to where we have both and uh, accommodate everybody so mike after a few weeks of uh, the new forums um i know you 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 delve into them quite a bit for a lot of content for the show and stuff how how has your uh, opinion changed or is it the same as when it first uh, switched over well they changed one notification where you could sign up for um a, a particular category um, and, and get notifications. So I've been getting emails off of that and trying to sort through them. But I also was able to uh, bookmark um, all 50, it, it narrowed it down to about 50 people um, that we're following. Uh, a comment page, so everybody has a comment page and everybody has a uh, discussion page. The discussions are ones that you start and then the comments are ones that you've commented on. And so if you go to your personal page and you go to those pages, you'll see what you've done. So I basically bookmark those 50 people and I look at their discussions and comments about every two days. Um, every day was too much. 
And so I'm kind of trying to find a good medium, but I'm basically getting the same content I was before by doing that. And it's working out. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Several of the iRacing Forum for I sorry, several of the iRacing Forum regulars, so the guys who are big on these uh, forums have been posting a lot. They kind of bid a fond farewell to the now retired old style forums, including this was a really well written reflection from Derek Spears, who uh, highlighted the innovations of the sim racing hardware that had been birthed in the forums. Everything that uh, everything from the direct direct drive wheels to wind simulators, you know, are things that he talked about in this. And um, so Derek Spears obviously is uh, the uh, the owner of Derek Spears Designs. He makes great button boxes and, and other hardware. And uh, so I'm going to read the topic sentence of his piece. It says, um, it, this is Derek Spears writing, it's my opinion that iRacing Hardware Forums was the real birthplace of sim racing hardware innovations. So two examples come to mind, Direct Drive Wheel, courtesy of Philip Jensen, uh, Van Rusberg, a.k.a. Bino, you know, Bino, we, we uh, refer to him quite a bit, and uh, Hydraulic Pedals from Emery Edmund. And uh, so he, he, uh, he, he writes this letter, uh, bidding a farewell to the forums and how how these forums have really spurred the imagination of some developers and engineer types who have really uh, focused on making better hardware for the sim. And uh, he thinks a lot of that stuff was birthed in the forums, and that's pretty cool. I mean, that's where the ideas came up with, uh, you know, in these in these forums and the and the, you know working together on different projects um, i mean he points out the wind sim um, and triple screen racing was really perfected as well um, and and what's interesting he, he, the last part i'll go ahead and read this last uh, paragraph it says the iRacing hardware forums have become a veritable repository of the most complete body of knowledge for sim racing it's a shame it has to close now. Those new, the new forums are a different experience, perhaps with a steep learning curve for some folks who are accustomed to how things are done. Hopefully the experience will be valuable as this one has been for the many, many years that has been operating. But uh, I think you're right. Derek Spears said it so well. Um, a big part of sim racing for a lot of people is the hardware, is getting that rig built and getting every piece that you want and making it perfect. and what do I buy? What not to buy? I mean, how do you figure that out? Well, it was the forums. I tell you what, and and podcasts like ours and other sort you know sources. But there's not a lot of sources, and so the forum was key. There's Facebook groups now as well, right? So it's not a complete yeah. vacuum, and there will be definitely things that come in to to take care of that niche. I do. I bid adieu. We'll have a moment of silence for the forums. I'll put it in in post. Oh, yeah, somebody here asking, what is next for content? And I'll be honest, I tried reading this over a couple of times. It's not so much content, but context. I'm not understanding what the context of this post is all about. Um, I think I got it. Okay. Uh, He's basically trying to say, we're going to get more because we still have the iRacing Pro Invitational Series coming. Five more races with NBC. So if you recall with Fox, with the uh, Pro Invitational, we got tons of content because of it. Uh, updates to tracks and so forth. Uh, Chicago, um, 
you know, Nashville, Coda, you know, Darlington update, dirt, Bristol, the next gens. Right. And, and so what's going to happen in the fall here with, uh, or whenever, you know, now NBC picks up the, the, uh, the baton and, and they're going to do five more races. Are, are we going to get updates like maybe the Phoenix, for, for example, uh, it, man, we really need to rescan a Phoenix. Or at least a reconfiguration, even if they just keep the same data, right? Um, we do already have the Indy Road Course. It's it's already a part. Several of the other series run there already. Um, a Watkins rescan, a Watkins rescan would be interesting. Doesn't it have less pits now than it used to? More pavements instead of yeah. So there's some opportunities for sure, right? So I, I get what you were saying, Tony, but um, but what I th- but what I think he was trying to say is that these broadcasts from Fox have driven some innovations and and uh, new releases and stuff, new content from for iRacing. And uh, he's just wondering if when they switch over to NBC, which would make sense with uh, you know Dale Jr. is going to be there. I'm sure he's going to be into this. He's a not only a broadcaster, but he's you know on the uh, payroll at iRacing. He's I'm got sure skin on both sides, right? Yeah, I'm sure that uh, they're going to try to make him as happy as possible when, you know, when, the, when it moves to NBC. And uh, maybe it'll drive some new, new, um, new content for the uh, series. Looking forward to it. And next we have uh, just a reminder about the, um, the GoFundMe for Gary Corbett. Um, I think it's up to around... It's over fourteen thousand dollars now. Fourteen thousand three hundred ninety-five dollars. I think uh, the old bastards alone, uh, Steve was saying yesterday, is has raised I think over uh, twenty-six hundred. But if you don't have the money to donate, just share this with your friends. Just everybody on your your contact list. They've had worse spam in their lives, <laughs> and because there is not a better cause, better guy to donate to. Um, we had Gary on the aftermath. Um, a little while back, if you want to get to know him a little bit better, I think Tony was called like 88 keys or something like that. Yeah. 88 is for the keys. 88 is for the keys. That's right. He is a a musician composer. He uh, played keyboard for kiss and Cinderella. I think he wrote, I might screw up which eighties pop star, but I believe it was Debbie Gibson. He, he wrote a song or some songs for this guy. No, has he did Cindy Lopper. Debbie Gibson, Cindy Lopper. That's right. He did. He did work with both. That's right. The music he wrote was for Cindy Lopper. So this guy, I mean, if you had a penny for every time, this guy has tickled your ears. If you gave him that, I mean, you don't have the money to give him that. So like, That's let's just try to, to support it. this guy. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I didn't know until, uh, just the other day, but Steve said his wife works in the, um, uh, she's a event planner. So, I mean, they got, besides the uh, cancer kicking their butt and that treatment is going to be a, a fortune. I mean, obviously last year was very bad for them anyway, so they didn't need this. So if you can help, help. If not, just share the crap out of it. Yeah. Let's help out Gary, guys. If Gary's the reason I can say Tag Hoyer now. Uh, yeah, that's another thing too. He's our—I forgot about that. Yeah, he's our uh, our grammar police for the podcast. He's the reason that we we try a little harder and probably piss off a few less foreign drivers. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Gary, for keeping us honest. I appreciate that. Okay, podcast housekeeping. Uh, let's talk aftermath. What's up next, Tony? 
Well, I don't know what's up next, and I really don't know what just happened last weekend. Um, but we did record, and we put it out there for everybody to listen to. Um, I don't think we chased as many squirrels last as we did the one before that. One thing I do know is we need to get a guest on. We seem to be a little bit more focused when we have uh, when we have guests to talk to. But um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I don't think we got anything in the pipeline. Um, a lot of it, we just kind of figure it out at the last second anyway, so we'll go with that plan. Seems to work. I did the show last week. You guys were talking quite a bit about your new hardware purchases and how you like and putting it all together. It was a, it was a good show. Oh, yeah. You got a new rig. I actually listened to it. <laughs> it was really hot at the track, so uh, I actually listened to it sitting under the grandstands because you had to get there you know, a couple hours early and, and sit around uh, and got got through it pretty quick. It's a good podcast to listen to in shitty situations, I guess. I know Steve Thompson listens to it every Sunday while he's shoveling horse shit. So. He's got to <laughs> keep his mind focused on the task, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Don't forget our new website. It's actually six month anniversary uh, coming up here next week. Uh, six months. We've had this iRacersLounge.com uh, where you can actually go get a link to everything we talk about. You can see the hardware we talk about. We have pictures, links. Thanks to Brian McCubbin for editing, uh, helping me put this website together between him and I. It's really gone well, and I think it's been a success. So check it out because... Um, it'll enhance your listening experience. Don't forget we're at Midwest Simulations as far as a coupon code, 10% off iRacers Lounge for those uh, spotlights. We're still over at PMN. Go check check us over there. And then Fantasy. Hey, guys. Uh, real quick, I just want to mention, I was uh, couldn't make the show the past two weeks and it's the first time i've listened to the show uh on my own as a as a completed uh completed project since i started doing these shows and i didn't realize how how great a job david does getting all these uh sound sound bites in and getting everything sounded great so uh tony uh or david you're doing an awesome job on that thank you yeah, kudos. Thank you. podcast fantasy league in a casual setting. I don't think I want to talk fantasy this week. <laughs> Chris, why don't you talk fantasy? You did. Uh, you actually did something. Um, I did nothing except stink up the joint. Did you not take Larson? Um, you know what? I should have probably went back and listened to our podcast when you said, like, just pick Hendrick and who is the other guy? Who is the other guy? Bush. Kyle Bush, right? Now, yeah, yeah thanks. Did, what, yeah, because that's, that's what you did. Did any of y'all go with the two? No, that, okay. I did not. Because I, I sent y'all intel from the practice that they were going back on the skills, right? Oh yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, I don't know where my head was at. Um, it was not in racing, and it was not in fantasy. Um, I, I, I probably picked a great golf lineup. Um. Yeah, like it, it, it was terrible. Chris, I can't believe it. For like the first time in like two years, you're ahead of me in the standings. I don't, the only problem is, dude, I have burnt, I've burned up a lot of that, those Hendrix. <laughs> oh, that is <laughs> Everybody's got to run out of Larson at some point, right? Dude, I, Mike talked Mike talk some trash a few weeks back, and I was like, all right, man, and I've just been burning all the picks. I don't know. Like, I don't know that I'm going to have the same power. Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look like a lot like the previous years. I think, Tony, you're, you're going to have the picks here at the end, but I'm enjoying it right now. Well, here's the thing. Like, 
you you may be burning through all those picks, but you know that hot streak is going to come to an end at some point here. And if you've been able to maximize, and I know you certainly did maximize this past week, um, and yeah, you you've been getting some some good points, even though you're burning up those guys. Um, now is obviously the time to be to be doing that, and I am not capitalizing on that. So, um, I you know, like time will tell. Is you know if if that that was the right play. I'm kind of leaning towards like I probably should have been doing a little bit more of what you were doing, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens, I guess. So looking at the weekly standings, you were 29th, Tony. I was 30th. Uh, Mr. T Bob was first. Justin Time nine second. Laird Racing. Justin Laird third. Conklin Speedworks fourth. Trick Dickel four, uh, fifth. Scotty Boy, six, and then Chris, Jedi McFly, seventh, Stephen Lowen, eighth. Here for the SR, ninth, I-rating keeps suffering, tenth. Greg was 11th. Trick Nichols climbing in the standings, too. Who is that guy? Okay, now Tony's got something for the button box. <laughs> ah, 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 ah. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Let's move on. We're going to talk some hardware software. For some reason, I'm suddenly getting all the pedal assignments. Pro Race V2s. They're hydraulic. Uh, they're from Gridline Sim Racing, and they're introducing these new V2s. And they're from OBP Motorsports. And um, I can tell you, looking at them now, that I know now that I know what hydraulics are supposed to look like, that they're hydraulic pedals. All we've got, though, really is an Instagram post, um, and I don't know if I can dive much more into the details. It looks like the throttle and the the brake are running off of the same master cylinder. So I don't know how that how that works or not, but uh, yeah, here we go. Check them out. Looks like an interesting option. It's a tease. Uh, I mean, they have a link to a website, but it says coming soon. And But, yeah, they look pretty nice. There's no clutch in this particular set. It's just a two-pedal two set. And they're pretty close together, too. I, one of the things... I, the show for the next month is going to be a commercial for Simcoach, right? Um, and they did give me a good discount and some good customer service, so they've earned it. Uh I've got the you can put the pedals on their mounting plate anywhere you want so I've, I've got the the brake and the throttle really well spaced out and actually the clutch in a position where if I wanted to try to learn to do hill toe I could as well you know and I got an email from sim coach this week that said something to the effect of free 30-day trial or something like that yeah, I think I'd pass on these. Like like you said, there doesn't look like there's any adjustability. And honestly, you could probably go to a machine shop and say, I need pedals, and this is what they could build for you. Like, so they I, like really said, close together now that you point yeah. that out. Yeah, and the only adjustability it looks like is just moving the pedal pads a little bit. And if there's no adjustability yeah, the, there, there who, what's there going to be in for brake pressure and pedal pressure? It doesn't look like much. Like I said, <laughs> David has like five knobs on it. <laughs> it looks, and they're right there in the front. It just looks totally well, different. The, the ones I've got, the way, the way you actually adjust it is when it compresses the slave cylinder, you can either put a spring in there or, or these actually rubber pieces that, that it squeezes. And that it's how you basically control what it feels like. So the clutch and the brake are actually the exact same design but one has a spring and one has all these really hard either metallic or rubber pieces that that you you press against when you're squeezing 
squeezing the brake. Now, I found the uh, link to the right website, actually. If you look at the post, there's a, a, a link to the actual manufacturer, um, and they have a website, and so it's called obpltd.com, and uh, those particular pedals are 908 euros. That lot. How much is a euro in dollars? Uh, twelve hundred ish. Oh crap! No way! No way! Wait, no euro. Euro is pretty even with the uh, American dollar, so so it's it's Silver still right around nine hundred. Yeah, it's the pound that that jump where it jumps about thirty percent. You can get a wider brake pad for thirty five more, or you can uh, get them pre bled bled for twenty five more. If you get a wider pad, it's going to be touching the accelerator pedal. And if it's an international shipment, you cannot get them pre-bled. You have to put the brake fluid in yourself. Brake fluid can't be shipped across borders. Good point. We need a flushing sound effect, David. <laughs> Hang on, I'm, my bathroom's not too far from here. I'll do a Tony-style uh, uh, sound effect. So uh, next up, have Extreme Sim Racing is glad to be a provider f for uh, the exceptional quality of Sim Magic products. So as an official reseller of Sim Magic for the American market, they're focused on bringing you the most complete and professional sim racing experience. So uh, those Sim Magic uh, wheelbases that we've uh, we've covered a few few times, actually, um, I think they're Chinese, isn't that right? Um, Hong Kong. They're they're uh, Hong Kong. So the, yeah, so they're not they're uh, extreme sim racing is going to be uh, an official distributor of the Sim Magic products. And they're not the only U.S. distributor. I know there's Jeff Ford from FEG. Uh, he was the first one. Uh, he's the guy who builds all the computers uh, on Facebook. And then um, Darren Ganji and his company, I forget the name of it. He does Sim Motion, I think is his company. And he also sells them. And now this company, Extreme Sim Racing. That's always a good sign that if you have multiple distributors on a product that, that you feel like it's a product that has some backing instead of there's a lot of stuff that comes straight out of china that you can't get parts for but but if if it's a, a place that's servicing it here you can at least get a replacement entire unit right if something goes wrong well that's the thing a, a year ago or however long when this came out I think our reservation at the time, it wasn't under warranty. There was no warranty, I don't think, at that time. And and this company, right up front, they're saying one-year warranty, uh, free shipping in the U.S., um, uh, U.S. tech support. And so that's what we were looking for behind this product before, you know, hey, maybe this is viable for the sim racer to, to, to buy into. Um, to be honest with you, I mean, I've had a lot of problems with my wheel and if I had to buy one, I've kind of been thinking about which one am I going to go with because I'm, I'm certainly not looking at Fanatec. <laughs> um, and, and this is what I'm looking at. Uh, you know, maybe I'm going to buy into Sim Magic. This would be the last one I'd look at, honestly, because I'm looking at their, their prices and they're not much cheaper. I mean, they're actually more expensive than some of the other stuff. Like, I would it, not go on Fanatec. Yeah, VRS or uh, SimuCube. SimuCube was the way I was going to go before yeah. VRS came along. But yeah, these guys, like I said, they're they're not any cheaper, and they're Chinese. Like 
if they would have came along a couple years ago with these prices and a distributor in the U.S., it probably would have been a different story. Yeah, I mean, the, to get the base with a oval-style wheel is fifteen fifty. Well, you can get the regular wheel there. It says for $1,099. Oh, the cheaper one. Okay, yeah. The, that's not too bad. 1100 out the door. But yeah, still, that's what you're looking at for VRS or SemiCube that's been doing it over here and isn't Chinese. Good point. I think we got an international flavor to the show today, Tony. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is the first <laughs> one we've got from Turkey. It's uh, from a company called Ortombo. And they offer a variety of sim racing products, including the Apex Pro F1 GT. Jeez, uh, you guys did this on purpose. Yaris Simulator Roo Cockpit. <laughs> um, which you can have for a bunch of money. That's in Turkish. Um, but let's get to the important part here. This is a bit of a different looking rig. And I love the color combination. And I'm okay with it until you get to the pedal thing there. Um, we've covered a rig similar to this. Like the, It kind of looks like, yeah, we got a cool rig happening. And then, oh, crap, we got to do something with the pedals. So let's just slap this here. But it's a tubular design until you get to the pedal mounts. I don't know what they got going on there. Some sort of aluminum um, uh, bracket system deal. But the rest is tubular, black and orange coloring. Um, man. It's interesting. You describe it perfectly because it looks like the brake, where you put the brakes is an afterthought. Like it, it's not even designed with the same materials. Um, it's a different color. It's a different material. Um, and they basically have the place where you put the brakes underneath the tubular rig, kind of propping it up into the air. That's what I say. Looks like it's propping it up. That's the perfect way to describe it. It's just a a cage or a rack. It's, you know, a two two wide rack space bracket. It's an interesting design. I don't think we've ever seen one like this. I'm pretty sure that FOV is going to be garbage too. It looks like the monitor mount's not very adjustable, and it looks like it's way too far away. It looks like it's too high as well. Yeah. Yep. That looks like you might be able to adjust. You looks like you can probably drop that, but you're not going to be able to bring it any closer. Let's go to another continent, Chris. Yeah, and this one I'd actually probably uh, is probably not such a bad deal. We're going to go to South Africa <laughs> for the EG Evolve GT1. It's a racing sim rig with a solid superwood mdf base construction the rig has an optional gear shift mount and a keyboard table that easily moves out of the way the finish is of high standard wrapped with pvc foil providing a durable and premium finish the racing seat is optional it says which i don't know for the price i believe uh the price they have it priced out without the seat for five thousand <laughs> South African rands, which translates to about $345, which isn't bad. If you, this is basically what I would call a Walmart rig would be the way I describe it. Cause if you, if you're talking, however they describe that wood with the PVC coating, that is Walmart wood. That's the pressed wood with the plastic coating on it. But aside from now, that, yeah, go ahead, Tony. Sorry, Chris. I wanted to jump in there that it's, it's an MDF 
base construction, which that stuff is extremely, extremely strong stuff. You're not going to go wrong with this. And at that price point, a $300 price point, you can, uh, hold on. That's Canadian dollars. So it's probably like 50 bucks us. Um, so this is very, very similar to the Rickmatech, uh, plans that you can buy for like, I think Rickmatech sells them for like 30 bucks. Um, but the, the keyboard tray on this is banging. I love it. What a great idea. Um, the price point on this is actually not bad because the design is um, is solid. You're not going to go wrong with this. You could put a direct drive on top of that and you're, 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 you'll be fine. Yeah, the design is great. So you're saying it's not the pressed Walmart wood? No, no, it's uh, no that pressed Walmart wood. It's it's almost like sh uh, shavings that you'd give to your hamster. Yes, yeah, like, yeah. Yep. No, no, MDF is more like sawdust. You know, finely pressed and a lot of glue. Extremely strong. Oh, really, nice, really yeah. nice plywood, basically. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. It's better. It's a uh, it's a medium density fiber board. Is MDF? Um, I think what you were talking about is particle board. The Walmart stuff oh. falls apart real easy. I mean, well, if you were making a rig out of plywood or MDF or or Walmart board or whatever you call it, I mean, and you just had a stack of it in a table saw and you had to come up with a design. I mean, this is a good design, I think. Yeah, you're going to be yeah, limited in adjustability, but that's one of the things you give up in a in a low price point. Yeah. Now, I built Lisa's is the Rickmatech uh, from the Rickmatech plans that you buy. You know, it's combination MDF, two by four. Um, so that's like her her rig is extremely extremely solid but yes it does lack the adjustability um but you know 300 versus you know a thousand that you pay for for you know 80 20 um there, there's give and take do you know about what you paid like to do it yourself because like i said it's a pretty similar rate compared to their 350 dollars yeah yeah it was like I think we paid about three, about 300, 350, all said and done. Wow. So yeah, this is, that's a really great price then. No, that's what I was saying. You, you, you'd be hard pressed to, I, I would just buy this. I, yeah, funny. Right? <laughs> I, I would just, I, I would buy this because it saves you all that trouble. Plus you get the cool ass keyboard tray, which the Rickman tech does not come with for 300 bucks. Yeah. Pretty cool to see a SIM company out of South Africa. I, I love it. Don't go for shipping. Shipping will suck. <laughs> Buy this if you live in South Africa. <laughs> you might notice that the shifter is on the wrong side. All right, guys. Uh, so uh, the Vive 2 VR headset has been hitting people's hands and uh, had some reviews on the forums about it. And some of them were not that great. I'm going to go over a couple of them here. Um, the first one is from... Uh, Brett McBurney, he posted, uh, oh dear, just got my Vive Pro 2. I'm so disappointed. The Vive Pro 2 is very uncomfortable. It rests on my nose, which hurts hurts after a while. As others said, the eye racing tracking issue is dreadful. Uh, Tony Rickard posts a similar experience. I have returned mine in favor of my G1. And uh, Rusty Ferris posts, I've tried to beat vibe pro 2 for two days and it was dreadful it really made me appreciate my g2's resolution and sound vp2 is already on its way back now um 
those are some of the negative ones. I did go through this entire thread, um, and there were some that were that were better. Some people said it's uncomfortable at first, but you kind of get used to it. Um, <clears throat> some people said the resolution is, or the uh, the uh, field of view is is a, is a lot better than some of the headsets that are out there. The uh, G2 it doesn't have a super wide uh, f uh, field of view, um, so. There were some mixed reviews on there. It seems like the biggest issue is comfort at this point. And uh, now, go from there. Josh runs yeah, this, mods. Right? There were several people who modded the, like, added foam or different things to the headset to, to make the comfort issue acceptable. I, that, there were, I saw some of those. I think Josh is running this one. And just the other day, he was in the... Uh, in the middle of a race and the tracking went off and he was driving he didn't have the recenter button set up correctly yet or not and one and then he set that up and and still had to drop because it was it was just freaking out panic wise and just constantly changing its orientation yeah, he, he was saying i'm in the middle of the car that sounds more like software um it can be hopefully it can be uh fixed patched up in software it might be those sensors too because on on my rift s if the sensors get a little dirty it starts to get jerky is he using the base stations do you know david i don't this this vibe this vibe pro you know you're supposed to use those cubes um, um sensors that they have which which kind of like really if you didn't have them already they really made it really expensive to get it with those um those, uh, those uh sensors so if if he's trying to run it with, without those i can see why the tracking would get whacked out I love the nature background in your audio, by the way, Brian. You can see it on the on Discord as well. Yeah, just so our audio listeners know, Brian's sitting outside uh, while recording this podcast. That's pretty cool. Looks like we've got some more wood, Tony. Yeah, now, uh, Mike, I imagine you put this one up here. Um, this doesn't go to a specific rig, but to the group itself. Well, it's the post... Uh, there's a wood rig that this guy built out of two by fours and it's motion. Okay. So we are looking at the same thing. I checked um, the video. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is, it's like an F1 style rig that he's built completely from wood on a 2DF uh, setup. Um, and <laughs> how, how do you even do describe you it? Well, this is just it. Like it sits kind of up, and it's it's got the uh, the the two sets that it's sitting on. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of struggling. Like it, it, it's just it's. Well, the it's cockpit all made is on a pivot. It's on a pivot point that's right under his butt, and the entire cockpit is sitting on that pivot point. But up front, he's got two arms, actuator arms that are moving the front about up and down left and right so he's getting four dof with just two uh two actuators well i don't know uh if that's true for dof because it is on a pivot point uh, at his butt um but it's interesting to say the least yeah i guess it's actually really only two right because the the back would always be slave to the front yeah the the pivot looks like some kind of universal joint type of thing under the seat there um like from yeah, a car. Yeah, those those arms don't look super strong, do they? Is it just me or they're like th half inch, right? <laughs> well, that's okay. Maybe I just I made a good video of it. Yeah, so I guess 
Yeah, well, it, it's too DOF because it's just those two arms moving, and then where uh, the it's like it's like yeah, it's like a U joint pivot point that he's got right underneath his butt there. But um, I mean, this is a very clean looking setup. Like you take you take away all the motion part of it, um, and you cut a pretty nice looking uh, you know wooden F one style rig. Uh, and it's exclusive uh, two by fours, pretty much. I mean, there's some other kind of boards in there, but uh, pretty much everything is is uh, mo- molded from those two by fours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's done a nice job cleaning the boards up, making them look uh, look making them look half, half decent. Could have done a little nicer job, uh, you know, hiding some of the um, uh, you know connectors that he used. Put them on the inside, maybe, but whatever. It's pretty badass okay coat of paint on it you know or something well we'll take a short break from our international tour of hardware and jump over onto the software side we have the virtual race car engineer it's the first and only software package that takes the role of your very own race engineer it fine-tunes your existing baseline setup and to get the most out of the car offering whole app and corner specific advice it'll also get the very best out of your setup in the process the driver tailors the setup to his individual needs the end result is comfortable reliable and fast race setups ready to challenge for top positions now when i took i took a look and kind of browsed through the website and I think it's going to be pretty road heavy and not particularly handy for uh, the real intricacies of of balancing a, an asymmetric car for an oval. Yeah, but if you're looking for something as a tool uh, for setups, um, this might be something to take a peek at. Now, I didn't get a, 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 a long look at this. Somebody on our team uh, put this up in the chat. I don't know who it was. But we were having. I a, stuck that up there. Yeah, we were having a discussion about the easiest way to figure out if the car is sealed or not, which is some, which is the thing I struggled with on, on adjusting sets last year. And so this is software you can run on a tablet. So there's a tablet style interface, fast results with correct advice, lap logging, and reporting. It does say both road course and oval style racetrack supported. May have to give it a test just to see see what it does. But uh, if there's anybody who's used it, uh, send us in an email and tell us how, how yeah, it works. Yeah, let us it. know. We'll talk more about because nobody on our team has actually tried this. I don't think, but it's out there. And what else is out there is wow, this wheel, man. the The line between real and sim has really been blurred in this situation with Fanatec and their new Bentley GT3 wheel. Um, the release date and price have yet to be released. Speculation I've seen is three to five thousand dollars. Okay, show's wow. over. That's a showstopper. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> Jesus, who cares? That's stupid. You don't want a Bentley wheel? Oh, come on! It has now. It has a full <laughs> display, an oval display, not a square display. It's a special circular display in the center of the wheel. So, Brian, how about the Sim Place uh, GT3? No, uh, yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. Price-wise. Um, Denny Hamlin will probably it's buy it. It's a speculation. It. I don't know what it will be. Well, no, Denny Hamlin or, or Brian will buy it. I'm getting to 
Although I might buy this uh, next one from the Fanatec owners group. Uh, there's been uh, somebody was joking around and uh, said that uh, he's loving his new Bentley rim. Well, it's a uh, it's the <laughs> Fanatec V2 rim with a bop it attached to the front of it. <laughs> and it kind of looks like the same thing with the big center display. It's got the big bop it written on it. It's kind of funny. I thought it was really cute. Uh, Tyler actually, uh, our teammate Tyler sent that to me. I, I wanted to share it with everybody. I thought it was pretty funny. And so the video that they put out was something. It it shows the race car driver in the Bentley sports car uh, going around the track, the real race car. He gets out. He takes his wheel with him from the real race car, walks inside, and sticks it on a sim rig and goes sim racing. That's a really expensive bop it button. <laughs> You know, I'm not big on the display. Uh, this next one, Brian, man, that looks good. Yeah, this one's called uh, the SimPlace Limited Edition GT3. It's now available for pre-order, man. But if you want this, hop on it quick. Because from what I read on their uh, on their post, they're making five. That's right, five of these units. That's it. So um, they're not kidding when they call it limited. So uh, if that's something you want to get into, get in quick. They had the perfect chance and they and they blew it. This is so close to a Batman symbol. They could have had the, like the coolest freaking wheel. Turn it into the bat wheel, right? Yeah, yeah. Like make five of those. Those are cool. Oh, if don't you get look me wrong. at that blue part, uh, Tony, it looks like the bat symbol almost. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know nothing about this wheel. But Damn. yeah, I just I kind of like it. It's got that Batman vibe. So now we've and, we've seen this uh, shape wheel before, right? So they've got to have most of most of the infrastructure to build this probably already in place. And there's just something about this that they're doing differently to make it limited. It looks to me like one of those masquerade masks, <laughs> like from Eyes Wide Shut type of deal. You know, those high society uh, masquerade type of things. Yeah, the GT cars, the, the GT actual wheels, they tend to like to have the, the more complete rim, I guess. I don't know if it's for durability or feel, but then the bottom is also cut out so that it doesn't hit your legs. Oh, David, this is the perfect wheel for you. They take the top part of that wheel off so you can see. Zing. Huh. I wear VR, man. The wheel doesn't get in the way. <laughs> Eyes wide shut. Mr. Fancy Rig up there talks like he hasn't been to those <laughs> fancy parties. He knows from experience. He's like, that looks like my mask. <laughs> <laughs> I go to San Francisco once in a while. <laughs> I'll never hear the rice aroni commercial the same again. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we're, we're showing off all these uh, wheels and international rigs. iRacing suggested maybe you should show off your rig. Tony, would you like to show off your rig? Well, what might be a cool thing and to send in, I might actually do it, is get a picture of the setup. So, you know, the his and hers rig set up side by side. Hell yeah, that's a good idea. So this is an epic tweet because of the the replies guys i mean if we ever want to do rig reviews we got a hundred hundreds of them here and i if you just scroll down and look at some of the rigs i mean uh 
man, there is some gold here, I'm telling you. Like, for example, uh, the one I'll bring up is um, Johnny D posted up, how about this rig while I was deployed to Kuwait in 2010? And he shows a Thrustmaster wheel attached to an ironing board sitting in front of a laptop that's on a box of soda. That is uh, definitely true DIY, right? So I I don't know if you guys watch the uh, pre-race show for the Coke races, but um, this is like a a repeating segment that they do um, where uh, Chris Oberlin and and those guys who are doing the uh, pre-race commentary and and stuff, they go over these rigs that you send in on on Twitter and, uh, you know, they'll pick a few of them out and talk about them uh, on the show right before the race starts. Yeah. And it's just neat to see such a variety of what people are running. You know, you see the the really big rigs like uh, like Brian's built up that have motion and and all the bells and whistles. And then you see the ironing boards and the the, the sofa sitting in front of the TV with a, a TV tray, you know, the whole nine yards. I mean, some of these are really ghetto. Like th- this guy, Wayno. <laughs> He, he has like literally a folding chair like you would take to a picnic, you know, in a, in a bag you put over your shoulder. And he looks like he put a blanket over it for comfort. And then he's like fashioned some kind of wheel deck to sit in front of him out of some boards and duct tape. So did anybody look at this 142 pages of ideas? We didn't give this topic to anybody. Well, I think we kind of talked about this before. As far as the forums closing, that is what, you know, Derek Spears was talking about. That that particular post is where everyone would show off their rigs for the last 10 years. And we have 142 pages of pictures of rigs. And so it's like, you know, the de facto source of getting ideas. Like, if you ever want ideas... Like we just went and looked at this Twitter, you know, all the follow, uh, re, you know, comments to this particular Twitter. But this forum post uh, that's so many pages long, man, it it's just gold when it comes to looking for stuff like that. Yeah. And next we have a new wheel teased by SimuCube. Um, they tease it on Twitter. I don't really know what's so special about it. I don't follow them close enough. It's the the picture is just a guy holding a wheel, and I don't you don't get to see the front of the wheel. And I don't know if they have a new quick connect that they're trying to show off. But other than like I said, the back of a wheel, I don't get much information from it. Did you say some guy? Yeah, who's the guy? <laughs> it's a Max Verstappen. Oh. Not just some guy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The, I don't know what he looks like. You don't well, see, yeah, you just don't Tracy see. that deal. Yeah, dude, <laughs> pretty bad. I don't really see his full face, so it's not that big a deal. I'll let you slide. Who? <laughs> but yeah, that, I don't see much about the wheel. It's a D-shaped, D-shaped wheel. Who? Now Max we looked Verstappen. at we looked at the SimuCube lineup earlier on, in the show, and my take on this is they're to develop the new wheel. Uh, to go into one of their packages in in uh, conjunction with Max. It's a GT looking uh, round wheel, get more or sports car type thing. It does have uh, the magnetic sensors on the on the paddles. That's about all you can tell from the backside. Yeah, so I guess at some point they'll flip it around, let you see what it actually looks like. But um, right now they're just teasing it. And uh, 
maybe teasing that they got uh, a big name behind it too. All right, next up, the ultimate driver's rig provided by Greaves 3D Engineering. And this video is crazy, guys. When I saw this, I had to double take. The the rig like is mechanical and moves uh, your seat moves forward, the, the wheel moves towards you, the monitors slide up closer. Everything is mechanical. Uh, you, you can move it to different positions, either GT or Formula One style. And uh, I was like, wow. Well, you see, what's really happened is Megatron has gone undercover into hiding as, as a sim rig now instead of, instead of a car or a gun. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah, when he when when he pulled the steering wheel towards him and moved it up, down, tilted it all all just without any trouble, just no moving things around, just moving. It was amazing. I've never seen anything like that. The video shows the guy going through the process of switching it from uh, Formula One to GT style kind of thing, where he he moves the pedals, he moves the seat. He moves the whole steering mechanism and, and even like the details, like the steering mechanism that he, you know, kind of pulls in next to him and moves down the button boxes on either side are attached to it and they move too. And it's just amazing. Then we've got another one of them, uh, expensive wheels, uh, not two or three, but it's up into the four digits. 12 for twelve fifty, We have the IndyCar champion and Indy 500 winner and avid sim racer, Tony Kanan, who is in partnership with GSI. They are excited to release the formula pro elite and GXL pro Kanan edition. It's a formula style wheel. It's expensive. It's got a lot of buttons and a display. So we covered this wheel two months ago, maybe three months ago i don't know but and and we covered it because gomez sim industries uh, made a special one for tony but now they're basically um made 20 replicas of that wheel and they're gonna have 20 new buyers will be picked at random to receive the wheel signed by tk himself uh making for a special addition to any collection this is over 1200 bucks i definitely Twelve hundred bucks for this, and says been three times more than that for some fancy Fanatec rim. <laughs> for Bentley, this is badass. Yep, it's got the it's got uh, magnetic pedals on the back as well as two analog clutches, so you can actually use it for standing starts as well. I wonder how much they just sell like the normal wheel for, because man, that, the grip on that thing looks sweet. The non special edition. Yeah, would have to. I guess uh, go find the website. <laughs> yeah, I don't it's race pro- It's about stuff, the same, I think. Yeah, so I don't race those things, but man, that looks awesome. So before we exit hardware, let's talk about our hardware purchases. Uh, David, let's finish. You, you talk about your pedals a little bit, the Sim Coach. You had a problem. You got another set, and then what? Well, he sent me another. He, first, they helped me figure out how to fix it. We thought we had it fixed, and it got an air bubble again, so they warrantied it, sent me it. And even though the air, I bled them again, and the air bubble had not gotten back in it by the time the replacement came in, uh, I put the warranty in yesterday, and ever since, it's been driving great. I, I nearly won spa this morning, uh, and it, it, it gives, it's given me just enough sensitivity to do some perfect trail braking at 
at Pocono. Uh, but like I said before, it's you know you're going to have things go wrong with hardware. It could have happened in the shipping. But what was great was how much support I had with direct communication with the guy uh, setting it up. And then in the process, I actually ended up helping them with their software because I showed them where uh, iRacing's configuration files were for calibration. But they feel great. They. Um, it's, I don't know how else to explain it, but it just, when I press the brake pedal, it feels like I'm pressing a car's brake pedal. And even though they're not inverted, it feels like I'm pushing the car's brake pedal because it's kind of, it's pretty high up in the air and I'm not, I'm only pushing the, the brake, the, the pad. I'm not pushing the whole lever. Okay. Yeah, I have inverted and I'm always concerned if I go away from inverted, am I going to hate it? Well, on these hydraulics, with the way that, with the way they're stand almost straight up, basically, it feels it feels like a real pedal. Okay, and then Tony Gross, you want to tell us about the the Track Racer TR eighty? Yeah, I finally got it all uh, built and in place, and I'm sitting in it now, and it's comfy and it's cool, and it does not move. <laughs> um, my my PVC rig was was fairly solid, but you know it still it still did move a little bit. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I am now like rig twins with Rochette. Uh, we both have the same rig. The only difference between ours is our seats. Uh, he's got the the Track Racer GT seat, and I have uh, that one. NRG. NRG seat because they didn't have the track racer seats in stock and they didn't know when they were going to get them back in. Um, I was very happy with the purchase because I was able to get it out of Canada here is just actually um, out of Ottawa uh, Apex uh, V2R virtual to reality. Um, and uh, yeah, the price was about the same price uh, Canadian as it was American. So extremely happy about that deal. Uh, went together good. Um, and Mike, to answer your question, like I've been, um, inverted for a while, but now with this setup, I had to put the pedals back into their regular base and I'm very much okay with it. It, uh, um, it works super well. I just want to see like how much of a difference it would be with my driving. So I went to my worst track, uh, Dover and, uh, just messing around with some AI and cranked up the AI and I was just killing it out there. It was great. So now I got to uh, find some time and get some real racing in. Okay. Well, follow up question. Why the 80 over the 160? Price. Um, the 160 is 400 something dollars more. And the only difference really that I could see was um, the, the bottom base was a little thicker and I don't see that as being, um, worth that kind of money you don't feel like you're less stable because you have the cheaper rig no 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 uh-uh nope not at all i'm very very confident with my purchase i don't think i'll have to worry at all very good nice to get you i love that seat too it looks comfy yeah yeah it's it's um much different than the uh, the old junkyard one that i had uh yeah it's it's super comfy loving it Okay, and then I got my purchase uh, from Russia. It was actually St. Petersburg. Um, came by DHL, and I ran with it last night, and I love it. It's the Aalogs uh, sequential shifter. 
it came with uh, all the accessories. I, I ordered everything that you could order with it. Um, the it had two different uh, length uh, arms, and I picked the longer one uh, to use. But I have a shorter one I could use. It's got a table clamp kind of uh, for installing it, and I'm using that. But it also has a plate to mount it to eighty twenty. It's got a red LED light in it that makes it look really cool because the top of it's clear where you can kind of see inside and, and see the inner workings. And uh, man, it's rock solid. It's fun to shift. And I mean, this is the kind of hardware that will live on my forever rig. You know, when I eventually build like the best rig ever, this will stay on it. I mean, this is a nice, nice piece and I'm really happy with it. jump into results next let's talk the nascar iRacing series and we'll finish up uh if i get to the right spot nashville friday open i'll start out with a p4 started uh, p23rd with 16th by turn one has several cars piled up on the pace laps eventually raced my way forward and ran top three all night in contention to win was second i actually caught the leader but just could never get to him uh ran my tires off trying actually and then third and fourth got me back uh by me on the white and so i had a second but i lost it to fourth on the last lap but i was trying to win it i wasn't trying to finish second um but i couldn't but man does it feel good to be competitive i mean to to fight for the win at this new track um I was stoked. And then my buddy, Tony Rochette, man, uh, we doubled up. He got fourth as well. He said it was a good, uh, was good. A couple extra laps, I would have had it again. Uh, Steve Llewellyn, uh, DNF, uh, someone stole his copper. I think he's actually the one who stole Tony's car, copper, so Tony wrecked him out, right? <laughs> Steve had an internet problem. Yeah, and so for a little behind the scenes, it was apparently not that uh, Tony's copper got stolen. I misunderstood what they said when you described it. Okay, Sunday open. Tony Rochette, P32, found out what the Fox says. We DD. I don't know why I even started. Kyle, P2, started in P12. Got hit on lap one and pitted for repairs under caution. Dropped to the back and slowly worked my way forward. With around 50 to go, I started to battle for P2. Just ran my laps until 10 to go and decided to make my move to take P2. That's a good run for him. I think that's the best uh, he's had since he's been on the team. That package was was wonderful. It, it was the low downforce package and they need to be running it everywhere. You actually, you know, you could actually pass, you could actually race. It wasn't a, just a stupid chess match. It was really fun. And we had a good set too. That makes it the whole, it makes it so much easier when you have a good set. Sunday fixed. Okay. I was wrecked out lap one. I got snapped loose into two, two and just killed it. I was all by myself. I suck and, and I, you know, I shame on me for not practicing the fixed set before getting out into the race. 
I probably should have ran a couple laps, but uh, yeah, I blew it. Uh, Brian, what about you? Uh, yeah, so uh, the green flag dropped to start the race, and there was a uh, wreck about a third of a second later, um, which wiped out a few cars. I was not in good shape after that. But I did get some good practice I'll race on Monday night. Okay. Tyler uh, got a P meatball. He says 28th, ran well, just around 10th the whole race, late restart with 30 to go and spun on exit of two on cold tires. Spent about a full 30 seconds flipping in the air as I overcorrected it twice. I was actually spotting. I'm sorry, I was actually spotting for Tyler after after I got done my practice and uh, yeah, he had some trouble. Had a couple guys that were kind of boneheads in there. All right, cool. Wednesday open. David, P3 and top split. Yeah, set a new uh, personal best there. Um, it was pretty crazy. I, I should have been P10, uh, but they had late cautions at the end. And uh, we had two overtime starts, actually. And both of those times, I just went by several people on the outside and avoided the carnage underneath. Uh, I also got lucky on the lap one crash at the very beginning uh, and, and managed to weave in and out of all the carnage to survive to begin with um it was hard to pass but i we were i was running with the second pack most of the race which was about nine through 15th 16th and was getting frustrated because anytime you could set up a run and, and pull alongside the guy and get to the next corner beside him and then but then the outside would carry more momentum on the next run because of the draft but yeah because of the draft because everybody else would move to the outside i finally figured out towards the end oh i can go by him on the outside and i started i started kind of dive how do you i don't know diving on the outside basically i'd get to the outside when they would take the low corner before they could do anything about it but i would still able to carry the speed and started picking up a few positions that way made it up to 10th don't think i was going to get much further up than that and then um here come the cautions and even on the last run there was a i had to play dodgeball and miss two guys because i was going to finish fifth and two guys got into each other and I think we talked about this might be the most championship points that you've ever gotten in a race. Yeah, it's all based on strength of field, right? And it was a, it was almost 270 points. You know, most races I'm making, I'm making around 180 if I have a good finish. So it jumped. I don't. It'll probably change, but it jumped me up to P4 on the points, uh, which will also change when drop breaks start kicking in and stuff like that. But, but to digress a little bit, it, it's all relative, right? I mean, a third and top split is worth more than a win and second split. But it's supposed to be that way because it's that much more harder, right? Yeah, this wasn't just top split either. It was a 4,700 strength of field. I was car 28, and, and I was past car 3 and 5, you know, which were guys that were almost in the level of Garrett Mains. And, um some of it was luck you know and just being persistent and being in there but uh it's yeah it, it feels good to get up there and get get the first podium at that level you know when i first got up in the top split i i could barely ever crack the top 20 and i actually raced my way into the top 10 this time so uh david how did that uh, affect your i rating 
It was a hundred point drop or jump actually, but uh, I lost it all the next day because I ran the two p.m. race and got wrecked on lap two. But uh, they went four wide and a guy got knocked into my side, slammed me into the wall. So, boom. <laughs> Okay. Easy come, easy go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty hundred there, hundred there. I'm pretty well. I have been stable at four thousand for the last two or two months. So you know, I have a bad race. I'll have a good race. That tend, if you rate, especially if you race enough, I rating is a true average. So before today's wreck in lap two, you probably have you at your highest I rating ever, right? Um, no, because I had had a couple of bad A opens, so I started it. I, oh. I think I've gotten up to like. 40, 60 or something. You know, but you're talking pocket change. I'm basically at 4K. All right, my Wednesday open, P19. Dang, I was the first caution. And it's kind of ironic, because what what do I tell all my teammates at the beginning of the race? Don't be the first Don't caution. Don't be the first caution, right? And I was. Um, I was thinking, man, I don't trust this guy. I don't trust this guy. He's wrecked me before. He's careless. I let him go by me on the inside. We got to the corner. Coming off, he used up all of his lane, and then he used mine, and he pushed me right into the wall. Uh, I was the slowest car after that, and I basically just rolled around and finished, uh, trying to get some attrition. But I was 34th, dead last. Uh, I was able to finish 19th after that. Um, I was happy with the result. There, there was a lot of carnage. I had more cautions than all of y'all. I think I was in the race longer. Uh, we we had uh, yeah green white checkers and everything. Yeah, but you were technically not that first caution. It was the other dude. He we watched that replay and yeah, he just he drove it like you weren't even there. Right, Tony Rochette. He said ping pong dong, hit every wall in the place and taken out with eight to go. And then his Thursday open today P six. He said just stayed out of trouble. All right, uh, moving on. Fast Track Sim Racing League, David, P3. Yep, uh, P1 was faster than me, P2 was faster than me. Not, not much else to say. I didn't put my result. What the heck happened to me? I forget. I think I got wrecked or something, but uh, yeah. I usually don't put down my results when I'm angry like that. The race, I, I kept laughing the whole race though, because because Lucky was the leader. What's his first name? Robert? Richard. Richard. Richard Lucky was in there, but Crew Chief calls him Lukey. Oh. So it kept saying, Lukey is in the lead. Okay, we heard from our friends over at OBRL in their Aftermath Truck Series. Uh, congratulations goes to Steve Thompson in the 67 Ride TV Toyota winning the Aftermath Podcast Truck Series race at Pocono. Dwayne MacArthur second and Josh Robinson third. Now, if Chris was covering this race, he would call those just some guy, right? I raced that race, sucker. I led, run? I led 10 laps in that race. I, I ran all right. I just, uh, my 10 laps were only because uh, I stayed out long on fuel, hoping for a caution, which never happened. 35 freaking drivers and no cautions at Pocono. I was banking on one, you would think at some point, but nope. That was a good clean race, though. But those guys because just you stayed out, you didn't have a good finish, right? Uh, I still did all right. I think I finished 11th, but I was on the long pit strategy, so it really killed me. 
you know, staying out with that long strategy. I think I, I definitely would have had a top 10 if I would have just pitted with everybody else, maybe a top five, but didn't have anything for those fast guys. Okay, Brian, how about the OBRL ARCA? Yeah, so uh, it was in Kentucky, and I actually missed the start of the race, but I got I got lucky. Sorry, I got lucky with a long caution on the first lap, so I was able to catch back up to the field. So, uh, I kind of made my way up to the field, got a uh, got a lucky break on a caution, and and uh, and wound up uh, uh, finishing P7. So uh, wasn't too bad. Um, had a little issue on pit road. I want to talk about in final thought, but. Um, it was a it was a good run, uh, and Chris was in there with me because he's his schedule's letting him race a couple nights, and uh, it was really cool having Chris there. Yeah, that was fun, even though we didn't get to talk much because it was Kansas, and I was just trying not to hit the wall most of the time, which I don't even remember how my race went. That's why I didn't bring it up. I know I scraped the wall a few times, but I don't know, not nearly as good. That was another long, clean race, and that was a really good finish for you. GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder Finder.com, the home of online sim racing leagues. All right, now final thoughts. Brian McCubbin, you're up first. All right, guys. So look, like I'm getting hit by the Fanatec shifter bug. Um, I had two problems with it this week. Um, when I'm going into first gear, like if I'm uh, if I'm throttling down for pit road it's going into reverse instead of first gear. And that's happened to me at the, at the race, at the UBR race. Um, I was going down pit road, getting ready to jump at pit stall, hit first gear and it put me in reverse. I spun around, hit the wall, touched the wall a little bit, didn't get much damage. You know, I got a couple incident points from it. Um, so I got to figure out what's going on with this thing. Um, I did a firmware update, see if that helped. And, uh, I did a practice race with the OBRL guys on Tuesday night for the truck race, just uh, poke, um, and everything's working okay now. So I'm crossing my fingers that I'm not having any more issues, but uh, I'm holding my breath on this one. That one sounds a little different than the one I would get. Would It would always go to first instead of third, um, and that was an issue with the Hall Effect sensor, um, and it just... I finally gave up and switched to sequential. I ran, there was a couple of YouTube videos on how you can take it out and dust it off and put in some duct tape to insulate the circuit board. I did that for a while, but it started messing up again. So at that point, I went to the, to the sequential. Cut bait and run, man. Cut bait and run. We'll get you one of these A-log <laughs> shifters. I'm starting, might, might be putting out feelers for uh, shifters coming up soon. I you just switch to sequential, the next gen sequential anyway, right? You, you, yeah, you pull yeah. it for you pull if it I'm for upshifts. If, if I'm like racing Arca like like I was, I like to kind of have what they are using in the car, you know. I guess I'm right. next, yeah. No, Chris Scales, uh, final thoughts. Oopsie. 
<laughs> uh, Brian McCoven, that's my final thoughts. This is my first time using the the website as a script. It's been a while since I've been on the podcast. And man, he's done a great job with this thing. And so I was already going to thank him for that. But then he gets on here and gives me some Fanatec fuel. And you guys all know how much I love to hear about Fanatec fail. So thank you, Brian McCoven. <laughs> well, you heard it yeah, last some. You heard it last week, too, right? When I was talking about how they never replied to my email about the replacement part. Yes, yes, that was delicious as well. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and I got some more Fanatec uh, fuel for you. I mean, I found a video today of a guy uh, on YouTube that has basically the kind of the same problem I, I have where he couldn't get his wheel off. He eventually forced it off, and there was like a broken piece in there, and and uh, his, his situation, he was within a one his one year warranty, and they're going to replace it. But it sounds like I'm not the only one who has a problem with the wheel. All right, David Hall, final thoughts. Nashville was fun. NASCAR needs to go back there again. I think it's a four year agreement. It was really cool. A lot of people were kind of nervous about that track because remembering the back the last time they ran there, it was just. Kyle Busch and Carl Edwards beating up on all the Xfinity guys, right? Um, it was the Xfinity race was actually the best race because the, there was just enough concrete or rubber in the concrete that you cars could run side by side for laps at a time. Uh, very exciting. It was fun. It was hot down there. I was going to meet up with Vincent Picotti, but he was busy doing sponsorship obligations for the Quinn Hoff car. And they were probably pretty busy because the race didn't last very long. Well, Nashville's awesome. One last thing. I want to agree with David about Nashville. They, yeah, they could go ahead and make that contract 40 years. The place is awesome. And it was great racing with the high horsepower package. And that's why I wanted to bring it up real quick. iRacing, you need to give that option for that package to leagues and hosted races so we can run it anywhere. That should be easy enough because, man, we were loving that in the last week. Yeah, they were, they were all exciting races. So, yes, Kyle Larson dominated the race, but that's part of racing, right? See how long they can dominate it. Uh, the short runs were a little bit more challenging, but the long run, yeah, he, he could just pull away. And the ending was pretty dramatic fuel mileage-wise. I don't know how he took he made that car last that long on fuel mileage. Um, I, was, I listened to the radio broadcast usually, and Mike Bagley noticed that uh, he was actually turning the engine off on the front stretch completely turning the engine off coasting on the front stretch and still running faster than second place all right greg hectus final thoughts oh yeah greg's not there tony groves final thoughts hey we got uh ladies night out racing uh they got a race at talladega saturday night um it will be broadcasted by uh obrl check out their channels youtube facebook it'll be pretty easy to find and you got aftermath guys going to be uh doing some commentating the well, same deal as uh, as per usual you know they got like they they got 50 laps uh fixed sets obviously um but i believe they the change that they're making for this race is they're turning the damage off and i'm not too sure if i'm very excited for that because i love seeing crumpled uh cars but we'll see how it goes. They're trying to um, just keep the race racing happening, uh, you know, for all the levels of ladies that they have uh, coming up. So hoping that they get a 
a better showing than they did the last race. Although the racing they put on was extremely entertaining. Um, this will be the second attempt at a, at a plate track. So we'll see how that goes. Looking forward to it. Well, with damage off, everybody should be able to finish. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I'm, okay. So the damage is off, but you know, they, they have unlimited fast repairs. So, you know, turning the damage off really doesn't do a whole lot. Uh, I guess like the most that I could say that it would do is, you know, if you do uh, wreck somebody or get yourself into trouble, um, you know, you kind of get a penalty. You got to go basically to the back of the field, right? Because you got to come in and get your get your car fixed up. But they're not going to get punished if the, if they just stay on the gas too early and too long and slap the wall. Right. Oh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, sometimes these changes work, and sometimes they don't. But you got to try them to to find out if it's if it's the right fit. And um, either way, the ladies know how to put on an entertaining race. So we'll uh, we'll we'll be there. Uh, excitingly waited, I guess. All right. Very good. My final thoughts, man. I love this shifter. It is rock solid. And I'll never miss a shift with a sequential shifter like this. And uh, I got it mounted to uh, where the mouse sits uh, on a tubular bar, but it's not rock solid. It can twist. And so uh, Bobby Jonas turned me on to some clamps that have a flat side on them. And I'm going to put that clamp onto there. I get those tomorrow uh, from Amazon and that'll complete the installation. But uh, yeah, just loving it. As far as Nashville goes, uh, very surprised. I, I don't know if I'm surprised, but pleasantly uh, happy about how well I ran there. And I had a chance to win. I was literally in position to win. I just, you know, needed a little bit more. Maybe I needed better qualifying or better track position. I don't know, but it just feels so good to be uh, in contention to win. It's like a, a breath of fresh air. And uh, man, I just. I crave that, and I'm going for it next week. Let's do it. Oh, wait, it's Road America. Uh, maybe in the week after. All right, with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.